For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? For those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. My show is all about celebrating. Celebrating life, celebrating art, celebrating whatever there is to celebrate. And I believe in celebrating each and every day. Today is National Gratitude Day. And I'm grateful about tonight's guest. Uh, he was scheduled to be here last night. We had a couple of glitches and it didn't happen, but he is back tonight and we are gonna make this happen. David, I'm thrilled that you're here tonight. Uh, and I always begin by asking my guest, who or what are you celebrating today? Wow, I love that. Um, well, you know, today I'm going to celebrate the Richard Skipper Celebrates show. Uh, wow. Because, you know, you deserve to be celebrated for celebrating so many other people. So thank you very much uh, for all the years that you've been doing that and blessing us. Well, God bless you for saying that. Uh, well, let's start by thinking, uh, celebrating Roger Deal. Uh, who brought us together tonight. And I also want to celebrate uh, our sponsors because without them, uh, we couldn't be here. Uh, and we're going to go back and we're going to celebrate so many things. Uh, your parents, uh, your upbringing, uh, your career. You've worked with so many incredible people uh, uh, you know, along the years. But uh, David, they've had the pleasure of working with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, you grew, I mean, so many people uh, have heard the expression, uh, I'm going to get out of Dodge, but you actually got out of Dodge. I mean, you grew up uh, in, was it Dodge City, uh, Kansas? Uh, yeah, I grew up like uh, right outside of Dodge City and, um, uh, and yeah, spent, um, you know, there's not many people from Mead, Kansas. Mead, this is a shout out to... Uh, to the city that I'm actually from, and um, I don't get to say their name very often. But you know what? To the to the folks of Mead, little town of two thousand, right outside of Dodge City. Uh, I also I grew up in a small town uh, in uh, South Carolina, uh, Conway, South Carolina, uh, and uh, you know I grew up. My grandfather uh, was very uh, involved uh, in the Methodist Church, and I know that your father was a Mennonite pastor. And I don't know a lot about uh, that sect of Christianity. Can you tell us a little bit about the Mennonite sect and you know what it was like growing up uh, in that uh, environment as a little boy and how you were exposed, first of all, to the arts uh, and how you chose a career uh, or how it, that desire to go into this business began for you? Yeah, first of all, I'm sorry about the dings. I don't know if they're, you're hearing dings. Uh, I am. Okay, I apologize. You know, this whole Zoom thing, I, I would love to be more technical. And you think that I, if, uh, with all the movies that I've made, that I would be like a technical genius. Uh, <laughs> turning off uh, messages and, and all of that stuff. And I really have, you know, I don't know. This is a new computer, so um, I... Well, that means that somebody out there wants to get you. So hopefully they're watching. Exactly. Hopefully they're watching it. They're sending in questions right now. Yes. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I had this dream uh, that was inside of me at an early age to go in the entertainment industry. I grew up, my father was a Mennonite pastor. 
Um, I saw one movie in the theater the first 18 years of my life. And uh, it, it didn't make any sense that this guy would go into the, you know, make movies. Let no, alone. wait a minute. What was the movie? Oh, well, you know, we can't talk about that right now. <laughs> the, uh, the movie was my my friends. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. No, don't worry about it. We're, uh, you know, I'm going to ignore those dings. Uh, and uh, maybe it's your father sending us messages. <laughs> Is your um, still with us? <laughs> my father is not with us, so it could okay. be my father. Um, my uh, uh, my uh, the movie that I saw was uh, a move, a little movie uh, of some friends. I was with over at friends' house. Their parents took me to a movie, and uh, and when Olivia Newton-John popped up on the screen, her beautiful black tights. And uh, and wonderful uh, dancing. I thought for sure I'm going to hell, and uh, <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. It was called Grease. One of my very best friends was in that movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Jody Goodman. Did you ever work or know Jody? I uh, I I don't think I did. Yeah. My loss. She was one of the older character actresses that was in the film, but. Uh, she was the one who was always uh, hitting the xylophone in, in the school, for those who don't know, but she was uh, in that film. So uh, I, I've got everything in context now. I get it. Good. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the joke about the Mennonites is the Mennonites make the Mormons look like a pack of hell's angels. So we grew up very, very conservative. And, uh, and, and, um, um, it just it, it didn't make a lot of sense that I would go to Hollywood. So I went to I went to Chicago for a year um, where my entire um, family had gone, graduated and met their significant others. Uh, and then after a year, I decided to leave um, and just make the jump. And so I moved to L.A. when I was 19 and jumped right into the entertainment industry. Well, I'm going to get there in a few moments. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have uh, I have an older brother and an older sister. Now, did they have any desire at all to go into this business at all? <laughs> no, not at all. They're they're <laughs> they're musicians, you know. Um, we we were a musician household, uh, so um, so I grew up doing that. That was the, the 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 most the closest I got to any art form. Well, you know, it's interesting when you grow up in a household, and I mean, I'm the oldest of four. Uh, you grow up in a household, and even though you grow up in the same household. Uh, it's almost as if, I mean, in my situation, as if we grew up in four different households. Is that the situation with you or are you very similar? Yeah, it's not, it is kind of the situation with me. I'm not at all similar to, to my uh, siblings. Um, I love them dearly, but you know, we're, we're on different, you know, different pages. That's for sure. Now, did you have the opportunity growing up where you were uh, to have the opportunity to perform at all? Uh, or was it just the desire that you had? I had a little bit of a, um, I think right around seventh grade, there was a musical teacher that did a, some kind of a uh, musical theater piece, um, uh, Sound of Music. Okay. And so um, I think I was in seventh grade or something like that. And they, or no, yeah, they took me to the high school musical. I think it was seventh grade and they, they pulled me up to be in this musical. And from there on out, I, I enjoyed it and I loved it and, and, uh, and I couldn't get rid of it. And I always, I mean, the idea of, of being an entertainer or an actor, you know, wasn't, didn't even exist though in my world. So 
I, I never had really desire to, or, or like a, like you could actually grow up and be an actor. My, my dad had come from a very traditional standpoint to where he had said, you know, well, you don't, you don't sing and you don't certainly you don't dance because we're Mennonites. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to be able to go into the entertainment industry. I think I had that conversation one time in high school. Um, but I could never get that thing out of my brain. I could never get that desire of performing. Now I'm the youngest. So, you know, the youngest child always gets the performance with the family uh, and they laugh and they enjoy that process. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's um, I think, and then we didn't even have it. We didn't even have a really a drama program of any sort in um, I'm going to shut this door just because we got the weed guy out there now. Oh, my God. Same here. So you mentioned you went to Chicago. What took you to Chicago? Well, I went to Moody Bible Institute there. And that's where my my father had met my mother and both graduated. My my brother had graduated. My sister had graduated and both met their significant others. So it just was kind of um, it was an easy step in the way that my, my dad had always wanted me to go to one year of Bible school for all of his kids. So we were just automatically going to have to go there. Um, and it, it made it a little more simple because sometimes when you get out of high school, you don't, you don't exactly know, you know, what you're going to do or where you're going. And, and so I always knew from, you know, from growing up that I had to go to Chicago for at least a year of Bible school right afterwards. No ifs, ands, buts about it. You were, you were on a train to Chicago and whether you liked it or not. And did you honor that one year? Did you complete the one year? I did. I completed the one year. I was in, you know, I, I, I was in the band. I did my violin. I was a violinist. So I did that as well. And, 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 and then I kind of poked around Chicago for a little bit to see what is this acting thing? You know, like, how does this even work? Um, I think I was in like that, uh, Oh gosh, I don't even remember. It was a Dana. What happened here? Just drop me. <laughs> there. Everyone's after you tonight. Wow. Yeah. I can't catch a break here. I'm so no, sorry. It's okay. It's I'm like here. the worst guest. You're, I was late yesterday. I'm gonna see if I can turn these messages off. I feel like there's some way to to do this. I don't know if I. It's it's. Well, it you makes know. it more interesting. So uh, I, I, I just go along with the flow. I really apologize. I don't no, know. No, I'm fine. I'm, I, I'm not complaining. I'm glad you're here. This is a great story. And I, I, I've got a lot of questions. So uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, that, so that's what. And then, but after, after I was there for that year, I realized, oh, wow. I don't know how, you know, I, I really want to go to Los Angeles, which is where I wanted to go the whole time anyway. Um, and so I called my dad and I said, you know, I called my parents. I said, parents, I'm going to leave Bible school and I want to go to Hollywood to be an actor. And there was. Did a- you know anyone in Hollywood? No. Just no. Like, I, I, and you knew one when I came to New York. Um, so when you got there, um, how, first of all, how did that move happen for you? Uh, where did you go? How did you, what was your first day like? in a place that you'd never been to. Had you ever been to Hollywood? My sister had married a guy from San Diego. So they lived in San Diego. So my, uh, I, after I finished that year of Bible school, I actually did an internship on two actually Christian faith-based films that were shooting in the summer. So this was like, you know, 
hardly anything was ever shooting, but somehow I had stumbled in on a guy outside of Chicago and, um, and was able to uh, get to, um, you know, to, to, to work on his crew. So that's kind of was my entrance into the whole film industry. Even though I, I, I think I had one line in, in one out of the two movies all summer long that I worked on. Uh, I moved to San Diego then first. And so I went to school there. It was kind of like, well, maybe I can go and take an acting class here. So I was in San Diego for six months before I moved to LA. Well, you and I both know that in this business, uh, you can have the greatest talent in the world. Uh, obviously you've got the talent, uh, but it's all a matter of knowing the right people, being at the right place at the right time. Uh, how do you begin to, once you make the move to Hollywood, uh, to get to know the right people? Because you got you had a very good early break in your career, which we're going to get to in a few moments. Uh, but getting to that point, uh, did you get an agent, a manager? Uh, how did you start getting those people uh, on your team early on? I... Um... I ended up uh, uh, going to, I mean, I didn't have a team, first of all. I, 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 I moved to, after six months in San Diego, I moved to Los Angeles. And, uh, and I was here for, I, I got a job doing, um, working at the airport, running baggage claim. I, I thought uh, you looked familiar. <laughs> yes, I was yeah. the guy on your bags. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, um, like Jim Carrey, and whatever, Ace Ventura, I think is the, is the thing. Um, and I, and I just was like, um, uh, I, I, uh, got involved with just trying to find figure out going, okay, well, how in the world do you do this? So I jumped in, uh, extra. I, I was like, okay, well, let's be an extra on something. Let's figure this thing out. You know, I, I was like an extra in the doors movie. Um, you know, some random, <laughs> some random movies at the time, uh, 48 hours with Eddie Murphy, another 48 hours with Eddie Murphy. And, you know, and those, it was an interesting total enlightenment for me for you know a kid from kansas who who literally is like okay let's try you know let's wow and then i found myself surrounded for whatever reason i had a knack to be surrounded by movie stars like like you you meet them pretty quickly like mm-hmm. i remember doing like i wasn't even here for more than like three weeks and i did earth day and somehow i was the security guard for chevy chase like steve martin just these random superstars, you know, down at Santa Monica Pier. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, so I have pictures with all these people, but I, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the fun thing. I think when you're new to Los Angeles is that you, you enter into, um, uh, it's just a whole different world than anything you, you could have imagined. And as things were starting to unfold for you, was there anything that ever discouraged you? Or was that dream bigger than any discouragement that came your way? No, it was um, at that point. I mean, you know, I did not have I think I was just so wide eyed and 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 at 19 years old, mm-hmm. like this was amazing. You know, it just was like it was like a, a big candy shop coming from, you know, like a, a wheat farm in Kansas to Chicago, you know, being in Bible school and like all the studies and, you know, and, uh, and their Moody is still a very conservative school to ending up on the doors set, you know, with, with, you know, Val Kilmer and, and I forget what's yes. her name. Um, but, uh, 
you know, going to the Wiltern Theater and half the people are just smoking weed there. I mean, the whole theater, you know, when when he, they were recreating the doors. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's oh, yeah, of course. It was, it was exceptional. Val Kilmer did such an amazing job. So so I there was nothing other than and I knew there was more. Uh, I needed to figure out, OK, how in the world can I get out of this extra thing and how do I actually be an actor? Right. But you start asking all these fellow actors on sets, even though you've been here one month, two months, how in the world do you do this? So in the process of this, I ended up um, uh, becoming an extra on a new show called Evening Shade with Burt Reynolds. And, you know, this was a, I, I went on this extras call. It's, it's you know, um, and ended up uh, in front of Burt Reynolds uh, and he met all you know, these guys, and he chose me, he chose four of us to be football players on his show that would surround his son uh, on the show. And, uh, and in the first episode, I basically inserted a line uh, where I felt like there was a dead spot, you know. So here I am on a show with Burt Reynolds, and then I inserted a line, and he kept it. And so we shot, I think I went on that show like on a Wednesday, and then Friday we ended up shooting. And then he brought me back the next week and created a character for me. And then he kept doing that. And so I ended up on that show for almost three and a half years. Um, exactly. Well, I, I, that was your first big break. But I want to go back for a moment. Leading up to that, you're asking all the right questions. But did you have any formal training uh, before? The, uh, were you studying with anyone? No, uh, no. I mean, well, I had started studying with, um, you know, the moment I hit. Okay. When I was in San Diego for six months, I took a theater class. So I did. So that was my first entrance of like, how in the world does one act? Um, and then I and then when I moved up here six months later on a whim, I ended up at a like a oh I forget the guy's name, but he did a sitcom class and it was on the Fox lot. And so every Monday nights I would go there and take his sitcom class. So I was immediately in class. The moment I landed in Los Angeles, I was in class trying to figure out how in the world does one do this acting thing? And uh, what is the rules for this? Like, you know, so um, there's got to be rules to acting. I mean, you can't just, you know, I didn't, but I didn't know any training because I, Moody Bible Institute didn't have a theater department. You know, they had a mime troupe. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that was the most <laughs> done, you know? Um, I want to talk a little bit about Burt Reynolds, um, who I share a birthday with. Um, uh, I, I mean, from everybody that I know who worked with him, and uh, I am going to assume that the energy on that set was pretty, pr probably a relaxed set because you took a huge gamble, a huge set uh, uh, when you inserted a line. Uh, because on some sets that could get you axed completely. And I know from being on many sets, uh, that, uh, that could just get you right out the door. What gave you the confidence at that moment to be able to insert a line? I think sincere and utter naivety. And, you know, you're a kid, you're 19 years old. You're not really thinking about, I didn't have any fear when I was young. Uh, you know, when you think about going from a wheat farm in Kansas to Chicago 
I mean, granted, we were protected in a way because you're in school and you're in the dormitory. But at the same token, in Chicago, I, I have so many memories of being, you know, they took these Bible, Bible students and they put them in the hottest places in, in Chicago, places like Ditka's or Harry Carey's or American's Bar to, to park cars. The valet company loved Bible students because they knew they wouldn't steal stuff out of the car, primarily. That was the that was a, that was a joke, but it was in reality it was kind of true. And so, so we were the number one people. These kids parking, you know, that this was in the era of Michael Jordan. I was parking Michael Jordan's car and Scottie Pippen's car at 18 years old. You know, it was Walter Payton, the refrigerator, like when when the Bears were the hottest in the end of the 80s. You know, and so, mm-hmm. um, so I think you know, running through at 4 a.m., I had all these like. I, I always feel like God really protected me in a lot of ways because, I, it, you know, Cabrini Green was the, one of the roughest neighborhoods in Chicago and it would be 4 a.m. freezing outside and I would be running through Cabrini with my, my wad of money that I had made that night, you know, trying to uh, just get through and not necessarily get hit, you know, or, or, or uh, robbed or anything. And so, so when you landed, when I landed in L.A., I didn't have a lot of fear is my point. And when I let, when I got on that show, I knew Burt Reynolds. That was the only person I knew. I didn't know Michael Jeter. I didn't know Mary Lou Henner. I didn't know, you know, uh, Hal Holbrook, Ozzy Davis, Ruby D, Elizabeth Ashley, Charles Durning. I didn't know. What, any a, of what a cast! What a cast! And, and Mary, I, you know, Mary Lou has been on this show a couple of times. So everybody, just was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. You know, Billy Bob Thornton, John Ritter, you know, Kenny Rogers, like the the Terry Bradshaw, like the amount of guest stars on the show every Dom DeLuise every single week was extraordinary. And here's this kid, you know, I'm just a guy that saw a dead spot. Nobody was saying anything, you know, somebody's waiting for the line. And so I just popped up, Hey coach, I got to be, you know, and Bert looked at me and he's like, good job, Phil pot. And then Michael Jeter was talking to me. And then all of a sudden my character was born. Uh, so I think, you know, I think as we get older, the the part of the issue is, is that we start to grow a conscience. We start to to become fear based. What do people think of me? What, how am I supposed to behave? You know, all of that stuff, as opposed to just going with the flow, being yourself and. Uh, and embracing the uncomfortableness of it all. Amen. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. So here you are on this amazing set with these amazing actors, uh, all who have had this amazing history, uh, not only in film and television, but also on stage. What are some of the lessons that you learned from that training ground early on in your business that you've carried with you in terms of discipline, in terms of uh, dedication to your craft, in terms of everything that you have made you the actor that you are? Uh, as a producer, as a screenwriter, all the elements of who you are today uh, from that first big break that you got in the business? The biggest thing that I walked away from Evening Shade was um, uh, I remember going on there early on and and looking at Burt Reynolds with all of these people that he knew sitting around this these table reads. The table reads would have like 30 people there, you know. And most of the time, he had a relationship with most of these different people in different ways. And a lot of them, you know, from the superstars that were on there, 
you know, I, I, the joke is, is you were on Evening Shade if you had either won an Oscar, an Emmy, or a Tony. And then you could come on, you know. And then you would have Burt Reynolds, all the, the, the guys that worked with Burt that went to his school. The young kids, you know, the other football players were college graduates from his school in, in Jupiter, Florida. Um, there was, you know, there's very rarely a time when you would get a random kid like myself who didn't go to his school. And so, um, so I walked away from that going, that's, a, I had moved around a bit as a kid. And I said, that's what I want to do when I, when I, when I start growing up and being here in Hollywood is I want to work with my friends and I don't want to go anywhere. I don't, I want to be, I want to stop moving and I want to work with my closest friends and comrades that, that, and have that, that community because my family was always very, very, very small. Uh, in the way that we were in a community and we didn't have any relatives in the community. And we didn't, you know, my mom had one sister and my dad had one brother. And so, you, you know, we didn't end up having like, um, you know, cousins and all these other things that, that would go on for days and go to barbecues and all that stuff. So all that to say, uh, I love that idea of what Bert did. And I'm proud today to say that that's what I walked away with. And that's what I've been able to do through these movies and, working with my friends for sometimes 20, 25, the 20, you know, 25 years that I've been in, in Los Angeles. I love that. Uh, what was the biggest change that happened uh, within you uh, right away from this show? And it was a major hit uh, to be in a hit uh, early on in your career. Uh, did you say what's the change in me? Yes. The biggest change within you. Um, uh. I mean, I, I guess you start to realize that you, you actually have a gift of, of, you know, of what it, what that dream that was put inside of you. You know, I'm a big fan of dreams. I wrote a book about it. I know. I, I, I'm going to give your book away tonight to someone. Oh, good, good. Excellent. Well, I, um, uh, it, that's what I, I, I think, I think that I came away with an awareness of that, that the art form that I loved and had a passion for and never told anybody about growing up because I was a little bit embarrassed, maybe, so to speak, about, you know, uh, most people were just supposed to go to college and get a normal degree. I mean, almost all my friends, you know, became normal, um, were, you know, uh, guys that had uh, regular jobs. And um, and I realized that it was OK for me to to be here and to to embrace this creative side that I had always wondered about. What I love about the career path that you've taken, first of all, I, I, you know, Davis Gaines, uh, incredible entertainer. Uh, he's once said to me that going into this business, you may go in with big dreams and ideas of how you want the career to go. But once you get into this career, uh, it's like being in the middle of a pinball machine. Uh, because uh, you're bandied about uh, and it's all the circumstances of the people you meet and the circumstances that happen in your life and career. Did you have a specific game plan as to how you wanted your career to unfold? Because you have a very unique career path that you've taken and that you've created. And uh, a word that I want to use in a moment with you that I'm going to talk about. Uh, but do you feel that the career path that you set out for yourself has unfolded as you imagined it to unfold? <laughs> um, not really. No, 
<laughs> I, would, I would say, uh, I would say it, it totally took a path of its own, you know, um, but it's better in so many ways and um, it's different in so many ways. Uh, okay. The word that I was going to ask manifestation, do you believe in manifestation and do you believe that you have truly manifested the career that you want or desire? You know, a lot of people uh, have different brains. Like, I've noticed that over the years that some people have the brains that they need to, to plan things out. They need to set the goals so they're uh, accomplishing those goals every, you know, one month, six months, one year, five years, 10 years. You know, when Jim Carrey wrote on the check, I'll get paid $20 million and, you know, and all of those things. Um, uh, I get it. But that wasn't me for the most that I knew was I had a dream to produce. I also wanted to be a producer at some point in time in my life. Um, but I did, I thought that would be way down the road. I didn't know that when I was 26, 27, I would start producing. You know, I thought it would be, you know, when I was four, like old, like 40, uh, you know. Um, so, so, uh, you know, like when you're, when you're 19 years old and that's what you're, you know, that's what you're thinking about. Um, but, uh, but what I found to be true was that in the process, sometimes you don't always get what you're, you know, that, that you can't always, what is it? The, that song, I, but you can't always get what you want, but, but if you try so hard, you get what you need type of thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's more along the lines of, uh, of what happened to me is in a lot of ways, I was frustrated as an actor because I started out, um, I started out with a lot of what would become movie stars. Um, Hillary Swank played my girlfriend on the show, right? She went off to win two Academy Awards. Uh, Leo DiCaprio used to come by and hang out. He was just beginning his career. And I remember, you know, the first time we were all sitting around a table when he had first gotten the, the Robert De Niro um, thing, you know, and we were all so excited for him that he was going to be in this boy's life, I think was the, the name of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Toby Maguire was around like, you know, there was a lot of like those 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 folks that then went on. They were able to to take the whatever their beginnings were and then catapult them to super high levels. And in part, you know, I always struggled with a little bit was um, because here here's a kid that comes from Kansas. Right. Uh gets on a show, gets discovered by Burt Reynolds. And where was that was, I was perfectly set to launch the same way. So where did my launch go? You know, what happened to my launching pad? Like where did the jets go out or something, you know? And so I think you sometimes ask those questions. Um, I spent a lot of time in my twenties trying to figure out what in the world. And I mean, I suppose maybe I got fired off of Evening Shade. Maybe I had the wrong management company. Maybe I, you know, there's a million other things that you can go, well, maybe that wasn't right or maybe, you know, whatever. However, I do believe that um, sometimes you don't get what you think you need because it's not for you. And it, and ultimately it wouldn't have made you happy anyway. Mm -hmm. And or it, it was best that you went a different path. And I always did. I always had in my heart growing up in the church, seeing like, you know, these 16 millimeter things on Sunday night, they would roll a, a movie and inevitably we would never get to see the end of a Christian movie because either, you know, the projector would eat the film. 
I remember those days. Sound wouldn't work. You know, it, I don't think I ever finished a Christian movie, but I, I still had in my heart, for whatever reason, I had it early on that there should be a genre for this, for these faith films. There is no genre. And why is that? When you have, you know, 100 million plus people that this is pre-pandemic go to church once a week or once a month. Um, and yet there's no movies being made for this thing. We have horror movies, thrillers, comedy, you know, uh, we have all these other genres and yet we're, we're missing a faith-based genre. Why is that? And so I, I set out in my, in my, you know, as an actor doing these as little side projects and then realized by, the, by my mid to late twenties, even though I certainly wasn't 40, you know, old, like 40 to go produce, I, I took the bull by the horns and I said, I'm going to do this because it, it, it should be done. And we started, you know, uh, me and a, another buddy, Kevin Downs um, and Brad Heller and, and um, uh, West Llewellyn, the four of us got together, we raised $87,000 and we made an end times little movie, kind of like Revelation Road, uh, but mm -hmm. it was this movie at the time was $87,000. And that movie went on and did very well and became the, I think, the ground floor for what would become a faith-based industry um, that we celebrate today that every studio now has, not every studio, but almost every studio has a faith-based label. There's, um, you know, Kevin Downs went on and he has got this massive deal at Lionsgate that he's making, you know, huge movies. And, um, and then, you know, uh, I was very fortunate with, uh, to create PureFlix that, you know, Sony bought last year. So, so uh, all in all, I don't look back and go, wow, poor me. I didn't, you know, achieve anything or do anything. I just felt like my path was a different path. And I'm so grateful for the path that I was given. Well, with all the hats that you wear in the industry, is there one particular hat that you enjoy wearing the most or the one that fits you most comfortably? I mean, at the core and at the heart, I think I'll always be an actor. You know, I think there's, um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily run my life like an actor, you know, because mm -hmm. I have children, I have a company, I make, you know, we're always in production. We're in we're in production on kind of a meet the parents romantic comedy, uh, in South Carolina right now, you know, oh, we're like, in South Carolina, by the way, uh, like, it's like right on the border of South and North Carolina. Okay. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm originally from South Carolina. That's why I asked. Ah, I, I'm trying to remember the name, but I mean, literally we're in production. I think we're on day five, you know, but I mean like, um, uh, so my life is a little different than just, you know, than, than being an actor. I don't, I don't audition. I don't do that kind of things, but I am, you know, like I, I was on Revelation Road, the series, actually, this year, earlier in South Africa for almost three months, starring in like a Mad Max, you know, uh, show. Um, so uh, it's interesting. I think I think that performing aspect I enjoy, certainly, but I, I, I don't want to do that every day. Um, I also really love being able to make sure that we create a lot of content for our genre. And for that, I'm exceptionally grateful for as well. And, 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 and we get to work and hire really, really great people. And when did the writing start for you? Um, I actually, I mean, it started in my 20s, you know, started doing that. Um, uh, but I'm not really a good writer. 
I mean, there's Some people like, will uh, disagree with you on that. No, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm a better rewriter and then I'm even better just to give notes and let somebody else, you know, write. And I mean, screenwriters, there's so many, it's a wonderful, again, it, there's so many art forms, right. Uh, and uh, in the, in the industry. And obviously when you pursue something and you work really hard at it, that becomes your thing that you do well. Well, writing is okay. Directing is okay. I've done, you know, I've done my share of, of a lot of different things in the movie industry. Um, but what I come back to is I think I'm a better producer and a better actor uh, primarily than I am, you know, than I am a, uh, hey, let's, let's sit in a room and let's write for nine months. Now, I want to talk about your memoir. Uh, when I discovered that you had written a memoir, I ordered two, one for myself and one to give away tonight. Um, and uh, uh, when do you sit down to write your memoir? Did you write it completely from memory or did you uh, keep journals over the years? Yeah. Well, um, between heaven and Hollywood, let me see. Let me read. Where did I start this? Page 25. Yes. No, I, uh, the funny thing about this, you know, when God's not dead hit Zondervan, uh, that is, uh, an offshoot of, um, uh, what's the other, the big powerhouse that, uh, book agency, you know, they said, do you want to write a book? And I had zero interest in writing a book. I was not trying to write a book, but somebody gave me a really good deal to, to, to write one, but I always have been a fan and I've, I've been passionate about dreams um, for a long time. It's called Between Heaven and Hollywood, Chasing Your God-Given Dream. And, uh, and to me, this is my story. So it wasn't very hard in that way. It, it is my story of how in the world do you take a kid from Kansas, most to me, the most unlikely guy on the planet, you know, who's stuck in the middle of a wheat field on a tractor, who's then going to be producing and hey, let's even start a genre of movies in Hollywood. Um, and, you know, I, so I, I tackled two sides of that book. It's, it's, uh, it's, the, it's my story about how in the world do you know if there's something in your heart, if there's a dream in your heart that you're supposed to go mm-hmm. for it and you're supposed to uh, pursue that, or is it just a pipe dream that you should not pursue? Like maybe, you know, me going into the NBA or me, you know, becoming an, a football player, maybe that wouldn't be necessarily the right dream for me to pursue. Um, but so how do you know if that dream is your, you know, something that you should pursue? And in the process of it, it, it kind of weaves my stories through this, this hopefully um, uh, just a, a book that, that helps you go through how in the world do I accomplish goals? How in the world do I set them? How in the world do I, do I know if I'm supposed to pursue them and all of that? Well, what did you learn about yourself from writing the book? Uh, that I that it was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, your honesty. <laughs> yeah, that it was very difficult. You know, and I had help too. You know, I mean, I'm a producer for crying out loud. So you know, you find uh, you find. Um, people that can help uh, you in different ways that have written more than you and that can share some humor in the process and all of that. And so, um, so uh, 
but I'm proud of it. I actually think, you know, I'm not a big fan of books uh, in the, I know that sounds terrible, but I don't read a ton because we read so many scripts and we read so much, you know, stuff that's con coming in all the time. I don't get to read as much as I used to. Um, but I'm proud of this book and I'm, I'm, I think it's actually, it's a, it's, it's a quick read. It's fun. It's comical at the same time. It's heartfelt. And I, hopefully it will encourage you and anybody out there for, um, the dreams that you have. Well, that's great. And I want to get back to your parents for a moment. Um, are, are, you mentioned that your father is no longer physically here with us. Is your mom still here? No, yeah. no. Did they, did they live to see your success? You know, they lived to see me do a bunch of movies, um, but it was before God's Not Dead that obviously my life changed after God's Not Dead in a lot of ways. Um, uh, when, you know, uh, when that movie came out and, and revolutionized what Christian, I think Christian film it was mm -hmm. in, you know, in society. And, uh, and obviously, you know, financially it was really good for us as well. Um, but no, they, so they missed that part, but at the same token, you know, my parents, what I love most about them is that we're always just supportive and they were, they, they cared, right. yeah, they cared more about, you know, how were you as a person? Um, what was your faith in, you know, um, in God and, uh, and, and for that, I just, uh, I love them dearly and I know they love me and, and, you know, I wish for a while I was like, oh, I wish that they could have seen that, you know. I wish they could have known my kids too, you know, all that. But but uh, for such a time as this, they they're in a better place, and um, and that brings me peace. That's great. Uh, when I, I you know I've and I've talked about this on the show many times, but uh, I, I came to New York when I was 18 years old, uh, fresh off the farm. I grew up on a tobacco farm rather than a wheat farm, and I was the most naive kid to come out of the state of South Carolina. Uh, I learned as I went along. Uh, did you, I mean, were you, and of course you came through the route of Chicago, uh, so that probably helped tremendously uh, <laughs> before arriving in uh, Hollywood and San Diego. Um, but were you pretty grounded when you arrived in Hollywood? Yes, I was. And I think that was the, that was definitely the, uh, 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 very helpful in the process that, um, you know, I've been working since I was nine years old, like picking rocks in a, you know, in a, in a field. So it wasn't the, the work ethic wasn't hard for me. Um, I was used to doing whatever it took to, to survive. And my parents had no means to help me and I didn't expect them to. Um, it was just, uh, it was traditionally you work hard and you, you, you make it go out of it, you know, and it's, it's scary. There's not, I'm not going to say, Hey, I have no fear and no, you know, that, that there weren't times that I was trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to pay for my rent, you know, and some of these things uh, in a big city. But um, but I also feel like, you know, for for I got involved in a church early on and that was I met really great people in that way as well. Um, and it's, I started to I mean, I have so many wonderful, loyal friends that I've, I've known for 20 some years and mo a lot of them I work with, you know, um, uh, and I think that those relationships that that were established early on, and then you, 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 not all of them last for 25 years, or I don't know about you, but but uh, but a lot of them, the the really good ones, they do. And um, and I, I'm a big believer that you don't do anything by yourself. 
You know? Oh, no, absolutely you don't. As a producer, uh, also, you try to find what people are really good at and put them in those roles. And, uh, and when you do that, you're, you know, your production's better. And I think your life is better in that way, too. Well, as we start to wind down today, um, first of all, believe it or not, today is uh, National Gratitude Day. That's why I chose ah. today. And, uh, and I'm a big uh, believer in gratitude. And, I, uh, and I'm sure that you practice gratitude yourself. I want to ask you what gratitude means to you, both in your personal life and in your professional life. Hmm. Um, National Gratitude Day. That's, thanks for telling me that. Got to make sure I post about that today. So good. Um, what does it mean to me? I, I think it means uh, in the process of, of is it, be, you know, it's, it's better to give than to receive. I'm a, I, I believe that. I believe that ultimately um, I'm called to love people as, as Christ loved me, as God loved me. Um, and so I'm a big believer in, in being, once you can figure out being gracious and, and thankful in life, um, when you're thankful, you judge less, you know, you, you, you cast stones less, you just love people more is because you're, you're, you're okay with wherever, you know, God has put you. For that, for such a time as this in your life, wherever you are, and you're grateful, even when you're going through things and you don't you don't understand it, the hardest things on the work the earth. I have kids, so you know when my kids are sick or my son broke his knee last year, like uh, you know, wow. uh, like hard hard things, you know. And your um, uh, your kids in the hospital. I mean, you never know like what those things are. You have you know when your parents pass, uh, you know, um, before you you knew it would go or, or all kinds of things. Good friends die. Um, there's so many things, the older you get, the more you realize that life is so fragile and, um, and beautiful if you make it that way. And if you are grateful. And so, um, yeah, I just try to live my life that way. Uh, I think it's the only way to live. That's and great. And I say that on a daily basis. So um, the word, as I said, is gratitude. And we are going to give away a copy of your book tonight. All you need to do is uh, respond with hashtag gratitude. Um, and as I do with all of my shows, uh, I do uh, some wind down questions. These are just random questions uh, that I pulled uh, just to give, uh, just for the fun of it. Uh, so just go for the ride. And the first questions are, what are some of uh, your personal rules that you refuse to break? Wow. Well, I mean, it starts, I think, with the Ten Commandments. You try not to break any of the Ten Commandments. So I guess you could just say those ten. You know? <laughs> Let's see. Try not to lie. Try not to steal. Try not to kill somebody else. You know, try not to cheat on your spouse. Try not to, you know, um, all those things. Uh, I guess I'll start with that. That's That works for me. Um Whatever room I walk into, I change the atmosphere in a positive way. That's a statement. Wow. Uh, do you have a favorite room in your house? And uh, and then beyond that, um, is there a favorite place that you like that you and your family like to go to? Well, I, I you know what I'm grateful to live in my house. Um, 
I have a lot of rooms and I'm grateful for each one of them uh, in different ways. Um, so I don't know. I don't necessarily have my favorite room. The living room, I think, where my big TV is. I enjoy that one. Uh, and then I have a ping pong table in there, an air hockey thing, you know, so, so random, you know, it's not, not, not the family room of choice probably for a lot, but I like it. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> you just <laughs> answered it. Uh, it says, whatever room I walk into, I change the atmosphere in a positive way. Nice statement. I like that. So um, Howard Tucker, who's watching tonight, and I always acknowledge him when he's here. Uh, because he gave me uh, a gratitude calendar, and uh, which I love. It's on my desk. And uh, I pull these random uh, thoughts from the calendar. And I'm going to start with this. It says, um, self-love is making myself as comfortable as possible while I'm working. So while you're working, how do you make yourself comfortable? Well, I think for the most part, it's just having a good time on set, you know, I'm just going to go when we produce movies here or when I'm in a movie. Uh, obviously, we work in, you know, in our office and everywhere else, too. But I think the biggest thing is a sense of humor. I think is if you can have a sense of humor and try to to make people feel comfortable as opposed to, you know, like, you know, running around with a whip all day long. Um, I think that that it starts from from the, the top down. And if the top is relaxed and having a good time. Then everybody, it's just everybody feels like a sense of relief. Now, obviously, you know, when hour 12 comes and you're not, you're not done with the shot or something that you're supposed to be doing and finishing and there's stress on it, it's still trying to bring the levity and joy to each uh, moment of the day in different ways. Okay. And uh, also from the calendar, it's this list uh, I'm going to ask you. List three things that you appreciate about yourself. Wow. Um, I feel like I'm in a therapy session, quite frankly. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> what do I appreciate about myself? Well, I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think that uh, might have been a line from a movie, but I'm sticking to it. I love it. It works for me. Um, and I'm going to give a quote from the calendar. Uh, one of my favorites, unless someone like you comes up, uh, uh, cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. That's Dr. Seuss. Um, what have you done recently to make life a whole lot better for everyone else? Uh, well, your films, obviously, uh, but beyond your films. What have I done recently? Well, I'm, you know, I, I haven't been divorced for very long. So I'm in this like process of, of dating again. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's as simple as like setting up a, a buddy of mine on a date. And so we go on a double date together. And it sounds weird, but it's kind of fun. And, uh, you know, and maybe it'll make his night better too. I think that's a great idea. I mean, I've never thought about that, but uh, that way you get uh, two perspectives on your date. You do. That's, my <laughs> that's wonderful. I remember your date's name, though. That's a big thing. That's great. Uh, is there something that you do that makes you feel extra protected in the world? Hmm. Um, something that I do that feels extra, extra protective in the world. Um, well... 
I mean, you can go from, you know, from, hey, go to church. And I think that the in the process of getting closer to God and to the to, you know, to the creator of the universe, that you will you will feel more protected uh, because that's what God loves you. And God loves God. Well, you know, he has his hand around you and you pray for his protection over you and your family and your family and, you know, and everyone around you. Um, I think there's that. And then there's on the flip side of it. Hey, just go to the gym. And I think that'll be a good uh, good way to protect yourself as well, because you work your heart out and there's, you know, and hopefully you're doing something good for you. Uh, absolutely. Well, you pretty much have answered this, but I mean, I, I want to put a, an, a, an age on this. Uh, how young were you when the bug actually bit you? To, oh, I think it was, uh, I think I was, um, I'd like to probably say like eighth, eighth grade. Okay. Like when I was like 13. And this is a good one. Uh, find a funny joke that you've never heard before and tell it to someone else. But do you have a favorite joke? I'm so bad with jokes. I kind of, <laughs> you think that like, you know, like I could remember jokes and whatnot, but I'm like, uh, I mean, you know, you could always just say the Mennonite joke or like jokes that I've said a million times, but, but those aren't really like a, like, Hey, knock, knock, who's there joke. I don't really have a joke. Okay. Man walks into a bar, you know, there's a priest and a, well, I don't know. No. So <laughs> you're not going to tell, tell a joke. <laughs> Good. And this will be my last question for you, I promise. Um, you, one of the things that you talked about earlier that I really absolutely love and that you um, got from Burt Reynolds, and God bless you, Burt, uh, and that's uh, establishing a family uh, on the set with the yeah. people that you work with and throughout your career. Um, so I'd like you to talk a little bit more about loyalty in this business, the loyalty of the people that, uh, and even here, uh, so many people, I see the names that show up for me every night and it means so much to me. Uh, the loyalty of those people that are there for you and that have been there for you, your fans, uh, the people that you work with, loyalty in this business and what it means to you. Yeah, there's so many different ways of what is that loyalty, you know, um, from your, your friends, your family, you know, um, uh, co-workers in different ways. Um, uh, for me, you know, I always kind of come back. To, I think it's maybe the most um, pre uh, like uh, we I do movies a lot of times with with friends of mine that have been that I. Uh, I know a lot of obviously people in the entertainment industry um, because I'm in the entertainment industry. So the, the, a lot of those are my really good friends and um, whether or not it's one of my best friends, you know, um, who created revelation road with me, um, you know, to, to the guy who then I think he deserves the mantle of creating it. Um, you know, uh, he wrote it, directed it, he edits it, he does all kinds of things on it. And he's, he's really taking it, taking it forward. Gabe has been, you know, amazing that way. Um, to, uh, wait, 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 what was the question? That, what was, I want to make sure that I hit the point really. No, about loyalty and what it means to you. Oh, in this what business. it means to me. Yeah, I think so. So in the process of, you know, in Hollywood, because let's just talk about Hollywood since this is what we're you know talking about is there's so much disloyalty. Hollywood is notorious for, Hey, I'm your, I'm your best friend today. 
if you could do something for me. Mm-hmm. And I am a big, I, I, I'm such a, I don't love, I don't like that at all because I'm, I guess maybe I'm a traditionalist who's, you know, from Kansas where people were really the, you know, uh, kind and supportive and loyal and, you know, just more traditional in the way that, that I, when I, when I love somebody for whatever reason that is, or get close to that person, I'll do anything for that person, you know, to help them achieve their dreams in the process of it. And, and I've been able to do that with so many people over the years um, and, uh, and vice versa, people, some people have done that for me in different ways. Um, and I just think that's what, you know, loyalty is really, I mean, it's like, we, you know, I think it's something like, there's like a, a verse in the Bible, something about you would lay down your life for your friend, you know, would you really lay down your life for a friend? And I, and I, I don't want to pretend like, oh, I laid down my life for so many people, you know, um, but some of them I would. And, uh, and I think that's true loyalty. And I know they would do the same for me. I hope they would, but you know, who knows whether they would or not. But um, I think that's loyalty and, and you, and that loyalty grows over time. Like you don't just automatically get loyalty when you meet somebody like, Oh, this is my new best friend. I met him, you know, 12 minutes ago. We're going to be best buds and expect a day later that that person's going to be loyal to you or, or, you know, in any way, like it's a t- over time and it's proven over that loyalty is proven over time in different ways. Um, through ups and downs and hardships and, and, you know, and there's not a lot of people, I I don't want to say there's a million people in my life that are, that I consider in that group, um, you know, uh, that would, would be there when you're, you know, in the hospital, my, you know, dying, um, how many of your true friends would come out for that? I don't know, but, uh, but I hope that I'm that way for others though. And I hope that I show up for others. And I think that is what loyalty is. Well, somehow I think they would for you and vice versa. Uh, hang up for, on for a moment. Uh, we're going to uh, give away uh, your book. Uh, oh. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, and we'll see who our winner is tonight. And don't go anywhere for a moment. Uh, Doug McAllister. Uh, Doug hey. is uh, my new intern. So uh, see what happens, Doug. You show up and you win. I love so, that. Doug, give me a call in an hour and uh, I'll get you the book. Uh, David, don't go anywhere for a moment. I'm going to say my closing remarks, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, and you've got the final word tonight. Uh, So I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. And uh, as I said earlier, it is National Gratitude Day. So there are a few people that I want to say that I'm grateful for tonight. Uh, Roger Neal, uh, thank you for making this happen. Uh, David, thank you. Last night, um, we could have gone through, but I thought, you know, you were having other issues last night and I wanted to give you the night off and thank you for coming back and doing this tonight. So I'm grateful that you said yes again uh, and here you are. So thank you. Uh, I'm grateful for the work that you do. Um, and I'm, uh, I can't wait uh, to sit down and really uh, delve into your book uh, and to share your book uh, with uh, Doug. Um, I'm grateful for everybody who shows up night after night after night. I'm grateful for our sponsors, uh, Deborah Stone, uh, Aaron Caleb, uh, and Kurt Peterson. So thank you all for sponsoring tonight's show. Um, Everybody, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the ninth name that pops up. 
uh, and then reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. Uh, you never know. Uh, you know, Burt Ward was on here a few weeks ago. And Burt Ward said, "Leave if you live every day as if it was your last day, one day you're going to be right. <laughs> and it's true. So and it's very important that we treat everybody with respect uh, and with dignity. Uh, and I think it's important that we take the time to make that phone call. So, Doug, I'm going to be waiting for your phone call later tonight. Uh, and uh, and I hope that you all will do that. Um, as a dear friend of mine, Sean Monagra always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So, David, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with tonight, don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say goodbye, the credits will roll. Thank you for being here. And anytime you want to come on the show, you've got a platform. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's all yours. Thank uh, you. Well, you know, um, I just, <laughs> I can't even believe that I'm ending your show, Richard, but I'm, I'm honored and I want to celebrate uh, and say thank you so much to you for having me on the show. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in giving back and, um, and I'm, I hear you on uh, the Facebook challenge that you just threw out there. Uh, um, and I would just say to all of you guys, um, wherever you are, uh, know that, um, that you matter and uh, that there is a special calling and a purpose for your existence. And so no matter what you're going through, um, no matter what you've been through, um, uh, your life is not over by any means. And I believe that, that God has a special calling on your life and that he's going to use you in a, in a powerful way if you let him. And, um, and, and with that, I say God bless you. And thank you for listening to, to me and, uh, and to Richard, even though it's his show. Um, but uh, God bless you. And, and hey, don't forget to watch Pure Flix and see my new movie. Um, Nothing's Impossible. It, it hits next week. So God bless you guys. <laughs>